Welcome to Ask Us Anything, the show where popular science proves time and time again that there's no such thing as a stupid question. I'm Philip Kiefer, a staff writer on PopSize Science Desk, and I'll be your host for today. And I'm producer Jess Bodie. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jess. Um, Mm -hmm, If mm -hmm. I sound nervous, it's my first time, (laughs) so I'm excited to to be doing my debut. Yeah, you'll be great. You'll be great. (laughs) So can I tee up today's question with kind of a news peg? Absolutely. Go for it. So in early April, we're recording a little bit uh, after a month after this now, a rabid animal showed up on Capitol Hill in D.C., and it bit nine people, including a member of Congress. Um, do you remember what animal it was? I do. And it was a fox, right? I think. It was. Yeah, it was a fox and it had a bunch of baby foxes. Um, do you yeah. remember how you reacted to it? Yeah, I remember being really sad because like, you know, it's never going to end well for the fox if that happens. Yeah, no, I was in exactly the same boat. Like my heart totally broke. There's something really tragic about having this beautiful, mysterious animal setting up shop on the nation's capital and then dying. Um, Yeah. We totally weren't alone, right? There was this outpouring of grief when it had to be put down. So our question today is one that, um, if PopSize web traffic is anything to go on, one that a lot of people want answered, which is, if you are trying to rescue a fox, say, non-rabid from the White House lawn, (laughs) could you just keep it as a pet? We'll get into it after the break. Okay, we're back. Uh, Philip, lay it on me. Can I have a pet fox? Okay, so there's an easy, kind of boring answer to this question. In most states in the U.S., you can't have a fox. It's illegal. Oh. I live in Louisiana, and I can't own a fox. Or, you know, more precisely, I couldn't tell the government or anyone around me that I owned a fox. Right, right. You could tell me, though. I would keep your secret. (laughs) As long as you're not the government. (laughs) I'm not, I promise. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I would send, I promise I would send you (laughs) fox pictures. But genuinely, you know, joking aside, don't try to keep an illegal fox. Those restrictions are in place for a reason. It would be hard to get it medical care that's not good for the animal. That makes sense. But not every state is strictly against fox ownership. So in Florida, all it takes is you go and you get a permit. Same deal in Michigan, except you can only get a permit if the fox was bred in captivity. So no wild-caught foxes. And it really depends on the species. So some places allow native foxes, like gray or red foxes, but it's illegal to own imported ones, like the little fennec foxes with the big ears or arctic foxes. I love fennec foxes. Um, But I I think most people, when they think, you know, hey, can I have a fox? They're thinking about the red bushy-tailed kind. Um, And it sounds like they are legal in some places. So do people actually have them? 
Yeah, so there's this whole world of influencers who own red foxes. Um, what? <laughs> on YouTube and Instagram um, and TikTok yeah. now. And so the oldest of them that I could find out there, like the longest running influencer, is this YouTube channel called Loki the Red Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, the first, the very first video, this guy who owns... Loki the Red Fox says, quote, I do not recommend foxes as pets and, quote, I don't know where to get them. Like, subtext, please stop asking me. Sure. Um, but it's it's sort of a mixed message because these channels do make it seem like a lot of fun to have a fox. This dude I'm is just... Sure. This guy's just romping around the house with this red fox and it it'll hide in his cabinets um (laughs) and he goes and plays peekaboo and then it squeals like a baby and it pouts (laughs) um it pees in the bathtub and then it goes yeah but then it goes and flushes the toilet um what (laughs) yeah there's this video where it pees in the bathtub flushes the toilet i don't (laughs) but like but like separately like it doesn't go in the toilet Exactly. It's in sequence. It goes to the bathtub, pees, gets out of the bathtub, runs to the toilet, and flushes it. And I, I'm like, oh, there's a so step funny. missing there. <laughs> yeah, it's like it wants to be human and it's trying, but it's not quite there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but so I like I found this old channel, and so I asked some of my friends who are on TikTok um, because I'm sure. not if they'd ever heard of this fox phenomenon. I was like, do you guys know yeah. fox influencers? Um, and they instantly sent me videos, just a tip of the tongue. So wow. a- apparently this is something people love and people who have never thought about it or, you know, aren't working on a podcast about it, just have at the tip of their fingers. There's an Instagram account called Juniper and Friends. Um, and that one's more of like a wild animal rescue situation there's a couple Mm. these really cute foxes um they're described as being rescues from fur breeding operations but the owners also have possums and raccoons um Mm. there's one called kiki the fox um and it's a pair of uh sister foxes who are i guess semi-tame interesting that sounds really cute but i guess like Something that is kind of gnawing at my mind is like, do you think the foxes are happy? Yeah, it's hard to tell, right? Because you've only got these videos from influencers. Um, I mean, one detail that feels really important is that the owners who I've mentioned here seem like they're doing just a ton of work to keep their foxes safe and healthy. Like it's... They're running a wildlife rehab, right? They're not just owning a pet. So what that looks like is foxes need specific diets. Um, And the people who own Juniper, they are really careful to point out that, you know, the foxes they have are bred in captivity, but they're not going to act like pets. Um, They're going to pee on stuff. They fight. All of the things I was seeing say that they smell really, really bad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know fishy. if I would have expected that, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's owning a wild animal. Um, yeah, yeah. You can kind of start to see that in some of these videos, like the the fox Loki, the oldest of these ones. Um, the first videos are really cute, but the stuff that's on there now kind of 
looks really tragic. He wound up getting this infection and getting really visibly ill and just miserable. And, you know, I don't know if that's anything about the owner, but it's sort of this key point that foxes aren't just weird looking dogs. They're wild animals um, and they have special needs and you can technically own one, but, you know, should you try to? Probably not unless you yeah. have experience. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's a bummer. Um it's it's definitely a difficult thing to see, but um I guess like in another way, like I've heard of tame foxes. Like are there is there is there another world of fox ownership like with domesticated foxes? Yeah, that is I think one of the places where this confusion comes from. Um, Okay. This is something I, like, I remember being in middle school science class and the teacher was sick and put on this (laughs) video about um, this science experiment involving a bunch of foxes. So starting in the 1950s, this team of evolutionary biologists in Novosibirsk, Russia, in Siberia, tried to breed domesticated silver foxes. Um, And silver foxes are basically, it's a red fox subvariant that's bred to have this dark, glossy fur. They wanted to understand how you go from a wild animal like a wolf to a domesticated species like a dog and got it so what they were trying to do was replicate the process with an animal that was kind of similar and could be bred to fit in with a human household but was definitely starting out from a place of being wild and so they took all these silver foxes and they bred them. Um, and in each generation, they looked for the ones that were the friendliest towards humans. They didn't cower uh-huh. away at the back of the cage when the scientists came up. Um, and they put all those friendly foxes together, you know, with some light jazz and some mood lighting. <laughs> 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 and they made babies and those yeah. babies that's all were... it takes that's all it takes <laughs> foxes love smooth jazz <laughs> that's the other secret um <laughs> or like but uh, but did it work i guess like did they become domesticated yeah it it worked really well like better than anyone oh predicted gosh. at the beginning so yeah In less than 10 generations, which foxes breed really fast, so it was Mm. about 10 years, um, they created these foxes that acted like dogs. They were born friendly towards humans. They licked people's hands. They wanted to be snuggled. Um, They cried when they were left alone. (laughs) And then there was this other big surprise that you know, not only were they acting like dogs, but they started to look like them. Um, Oh? Yeah, so they had curly tails, they had floppy ears, and sometimes spotted coats. So they... What? Yeah, yeah, so it was like, oh, is it that when you act like a domestic animal, you also look like one? Are those things somehow inseparable? And that's... That's what I learned in this middle school documentary. It was presented Mm. as evidence that, you know, one, evolution and domestication could happen super, super fast. Like 
right. 10 years if you're pushing it. Um, mm-hmm. And that domestication is this thing that sort of is a self-contained package. Like a domestic fox has something domestic about it that it shares with a domestic dog and with a domestic horse and all of these other animals. Sure. Sure. So I guess like, I'm curious what the catch is. Like I'm waiting like for you to say something that's like wrong with this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Cause I learned about it in middle school. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, since I was in middle school and honestly before since I was in middle school, sure, sure. since the 50s when they started this, um, evolutionary biologists have learned that the fox experiment is not really what domestication looks like for most animals, right? It's mm. definitely not how we got dogs because dogs were wolves domesticated by people who had no idea that you could domesticate something. They didn't know there is like a friendly wolf out there in our minds that we can have and that will hang out, you know, sitting on our feet around the fire. A couple months ago, I actually, I talked to an archaeologist who studies the process of domestication. And the way she described what happened to wolves and dogs is that basically it started with humans leaving their trash lying around, right? Food scraps and things like that. And that provided an opportunity for nearby wolves that are looking for an easy meal. And those wolves, she thinks, probably weren't, you know, the dominant members of their packs. They were probably the, like, peripheral members, not the alphas, but the ones who were already conditioned to be a little more submissive. So what you end up having is these slightly less aggressive wolves who are maybe more tolerant of humans starting to hang out around humans. Uh And so maybe after a while, you have some slow exposure, the wolves get friendlier and they get comfortable. Um, Humans start to maybe want them around for whatever reason. And you start maybe having individual relationships with certain wolves um and maybe you're no longer getting the peripheral pack members from wild wolf packs but you have your own sort of human wolves that are just hanging out there they're not going back and forth but they're like their own subpopulation so then eventually you get to a place where they're friendly enough that humans start using them to hunt or for protection and then finally People start breeding them intentionally like these Russians were doing with the foxes. But it starts with just sort of hanging around and only, you know, hundreds or thousands of years later does the light bulb go off that, oh, you know, we can we can do selective breeding here and make a pug. Yeah, a pug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's the end result here is we made a pug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not wrong. Um but I guess like, you know, if you think about these two very different processes of like dog domestication and what these Russian people were doing with these foxes, like, can we say that the Russian foxes were actually domesticated? Yeah. I think the big takeaway from the experiment is that domestication can happen in different ways and doesn't mm. always mean the same thing. It can look 
similar across animals. A lot of domestic animals are smaller than their wild counterparts. And this is actually an idea that dates all the way back to Darwin, that there's something called a domestication syndrome um, shared between domestic animals. Then another caveat, in the last couple years, there have been some critiques of this idea in 2019. These researchers point out that the Russian foxes actually start part of the way down the road to lap fox. They've been bred for their fur in Canada for a very long time before they got to Russia. And so many of the physical traits that people take as evidence of a domestication syndrome might have actually been because fur breeders were like, hey, we want a fox with spots. Hey, we... Right. So they might have already been selectively bred a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they weren't totally wild to begin with, but they Mm -hmm. did totally behave differently than wild animals. And the selective breeding was probably a big part of that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you can take a random fox and if you raise it from being a baby, it will be more chill with humans than it typically would be. But like, it's still going to snap at you and pee everywhere. (laughs) And it's going to stink. (laughs) (laughs) And these foxes were different. It just turns out that the the physical changes might have been unrelated. So aside from like, you know, the peeing and the snapping, could I theoretically buy one of these little weirdos? Because they sound a little fun. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to keep circling back to like, wait, but. But can I buy? But I can <laughs> so, have one. This is the question: Can I buy a pet fox? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> you That's cannot. kind of what I expected. <laughs> you cannot. Um, the program in Russia still does breed foxes, um, but it's really hard to buy them, and obviously there are now sanctions on Russia. Don't know how right. that affected the international fox market, but I Mm -hmm. can't have made it any easier. So we actually wrote about this all in 2013. And back then there was this Siberian company called Sibfox or Sibfox. um, Mm. And they said that they were selling domesticated foxes from the actual experiment, but it shut down really quickly. So two animals were sent to the US and then confiscated at the border. Oh, wow. And I haven't been able to find anything since then. Um, Mm -hmm. And you may go online and Google, can I buy domestic fox? And there are companies that will say, yes, we have domestic foxes, um, including some that are in the US. But they're not selling the domestic thing. They're selling something that's been on fur farms and is going to be a lot closer to a wild animal. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's probably for the best. I think I have a one-year-old dog. I think she would not be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you get them get them together. Yeah, I'm, it's maybe maybe they would be friends, but probably not. <laughs> you know, I think even if you can't get these Russian foxes, what I really like here is that it does show that domestication can happen really quickly if you know what your end game is. Um, Mm. You know, like all this work is done on foxes, on big old mammals, Um, but... If you look in the plant world, there are people who take 
perennial species, things that most people don't really grow for food, or maybe they used to be crops and um, nobody's bred them in a long time. And they'll breed more productive um, versions of these. They make more fruit, they hang around longer, um, and they'll do it in a couple seasons, which is basically what wow. you saw with the foxes. Um, yeah. There are these people who will breed wild kales and all sorts of things um, for their gardens or chestnut vines. Um, what it tells me is if you're looking for a way to play around with evolution and these ideas about domestication, you can do this same thing with plants. Right. And then you don't have to deal with fox urine all over your home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, thanks for tackling this one, Philip. Thanks for having me. Got a question for the editors at Popular Science? Send an email to ask at popsci.com. Ask Us Anything is produced by the editors of Popular Science. This episode was written and reported by Philip Kiefer, based on a Popular Science article by Dan Nozowitz. Editing and audio engineering is done by me, Jess Bodie. Big thanks to Billy Cadden for writing our theme song and to Katie Belloff for creating our logo. If you like our show, consider rating it on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. It helps us out a lot. For more PopSci audio content, be sure to check out our sibling podcast, The Weirdest Thing I Learned This Week. Thanks for listening.